We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage of is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb show, the show where theology matters. Scholarship counts. Theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. And with me today, of course, are Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? It's going well. Yeah. It's going well. Man, I've just had, you know, we've had a, a good time. I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Okay, you know, our intro intro song. Okay, this, we're starting our, I should probably get closer to the mic, maybe. We're into season four. So yes, year that's four. right. Show 154. Now, now our... A lot of fours Our around first, here. I'm trying to remember. Like we had an original song or intro. Yes, yes we did. And then, did we have that over a year? What marked when we did, did we just decide? Hey, we're sick of this one. We need a new we've one. Had and then this, we've had that one. We've had this new intro for one year. Did we have the other one for two whole years? We did. Oh, okay. So does that mean we're stuck with this one for another year? <laughs> no, no. I, I can like make. It. I can make you a new one. I can make you a new one. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll... surprise in the next couple months. Let, let's uh, un- unveil. Unveil a new one. And then what we'll do is every once in a while we'll throw a classic intro on there. But here's what I. Here's the thing. What is I that... loved is how you've taken like where you've done special show specific customized intros. Those are fun too. I like it when you, you, you surprise us. Here's the thing is that honestly, the, the, uh, the difficulty of having a new intro is that, uh, is that I have to actually go through shows and find clips to put in there. So it it is a little time consuming, but it's always fun once they're finally done. I wanted two plugs. Yeah, go for it. My mug here. Yeshua shirts. Yes. I, mine, Yeshua shirts. I got to find mine again. Yeah. The, the other plug is Michelet. This is a this is a selfish plug with uh, Mr. Gary Springer and yours truly. Conversational commentary on the book of Proverbs. We are in. We just started chapter sixteen, and so we've gone verse by verse. We go back and forth. We read it in Hebrew, sometimes more than once. Then we talk about words that are in Hebrew. We and then we rabbit trail all over and find our way back and we've got a lot of encouraging feedback from people it's a different it's a completely different animal than what we do here caleb as you know i got Um, yeah so but i just want to encourage people who haven't heard of that to check it out it's uh, i mean you can listen for an hour and we just go through maybe four or five verses in an hour hour and a half and you can see the hebrew if you if you're watching on on our vimeo you can see Gary's got the the accordance module up with the Hebrew, and uh, so it's good if you're learning Hebrew. If you don't even know Hebrew, you can still benefit from it. Um, but it is a different tone. It's it's a very slow pace. 
uh, we go pretty deep and it's, it's like a giant meal where the, where the verse before us is, is the meal and we're talking about it. And, and so I just wanted to give a shout out for that, for those who have not heard of the Michelet to check it out. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's say what up and shalom to everybody in the uh, chat room today. Also, what up and shalom to everybody listening at home, watching on YouTube, listening on iTunes, tune in, all that kind of good stuff. If you don't know this, Torah Resource Radio is who uh, brings you the Robin Caleb show every single week. And uh, we got a lot of hands in the pot helping us create create this podcast. It might not sound like it since it's so mediocre, but <laughs> but there's actually a lot of hands. We got Gary Springer in our control room. He's the one who programs all of the radio station. And uh, we got uh, Michael Gonzalez has done our artwork. And of course, we got... Uh, Mark Randall, who has set up all sorts of different things for us. We appreciate all you guys. And if you would like to call and tell us how much you love us, how much you hate us, how much you disagree, or how much you do agree, or whatever you want to say, maybe you want to call and say that you like the song or dislike the song that's on Tour Resource Radio, or you want to call and talk about Michelet or something like that, give us a call, 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you again. It's 253 Four six five thirty two oh five, and I have to say at this point, I am so encouraged because I was I was down. You know, here we are, and we're in the middle of Hanukkah. Yeah, and happy uh, and Hanukkah, family, by the way. Yeah, happy Hanukkah. We're in the middle of Hanukkah. Uh, what I like to do is read. You know, I think a lot of people do that. You kind of create custom around lighting the Hanukkah, and we go to Matthew five and read. Uh, you know, you're the light of the world, etc. Yes. City on a hill. Yes. And uh, we talk. So the theme is light and darkness. And we know that this is the theme here. Um, but boy, you know, I realized, you know, I have to say, my, just my wife and I got in a little spiff the other day. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what was going on. And then I look back and I realized that I had I had been really following this, uh, what the U.N. did and the U.S., abstinence vote concerning uh israel yeah uh and that just I, my blood was boiling from that um what was the other thing the situation in syria yeah it's bad uh, over there just the just the just the devastating you know loss of life thinking of kids you know all this kind of stuff kids that are traumatized now you know anyway I, and this is and i didn't re, i hear I, I i'm thinking you know what i'm engaging i'm paying attention to what's in the world. I, I need to know what's going on. But I kind of got swallowed up in it. And it was like my wife was on the outside kind of knocking on the door saying, hey, you got to get, you know, get your priorities. And I'm like, okay. And I came back, uh, you know, I, I had this realization. I kinda, I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize that I was, had let that darkness in. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, not that, not that the news itself is dark. But I let it. I news let it is pretty cloud, dark. Yeah, I let it cloud over my light. And what a fitting! I was like, "Wow, Lord, thank you for this lesson." Because here, here, then that night, here I'm. We're lighting the the Hanukkah, and I'm thinking about, "Wow, we're in this dark room, and we just have these, you know, these little lights here, and that's our job." Just like Yeshua says, you know, you be the light, and that's all we can do. You know, I I can't control U.S. Uh, you know, foreign policy. I can't control what's going on in Syria. I can pray, and I have my local relationships. Right? We have our we have our family. We have our friends. We have our local communities. We have you know our 
our forum here where we can share with people. And uh, so I just want to encourage, if anybody else is feeling the darkness of, of the weight of those things, um, just watch out for, for, you know, you don't let that darkness steal your light. No doubt. But on that note, because at the same time, we were getting some, a uh, little bit of hate mail. Oh, wait, hang we're, on just a second. You're, ju- you're jumping, you're jumping oh, wait, the wait, gun. Wait, wait. Oh, but this is what I want to say. Back to the, this. This is all an extended footnote on dude, our the, the rabbit. So the I rabbit trail K, is K. beyond. The, the, dude, the rabbit trail is so long at this point. You don't nope. even know where you came from. Yes, I do, Caleb. I <laughs> I found my way back. Go. Here it is. Thank you for those who have called into the hotline. Here's why: because I was discouraged. I called Caleb the other day, and he said, "Check this out." And he played some of the recordings of people who've called and left voicemails lately. And I just want to tell you, I was so encouraged. I was so encouraged. So I just wanted to thank you. Shout out for those who have called um, and left messages of, of encouragement. Yeah, we, you know, I got to say last, uh, last, I, I told Rob this, I won't, I won't go too far down this rabbit trail. Last week, we had some uh, new folks at, uh, at our congregation here in Tacoma, Washington, who uh, I, I think they, they might have found us or I think, yeah, I think they found ba- the, the congregation that we go to, uh, not me and Rob together, but uh, the congregation I go to because of the Rob and Caleb show. They found us on, on YouTube. That was really encouraging. It was nice to meet people at, you know, come to come to the congregation because they had heard heard about it through us. Anyway, okay, um, let's do this first. Oh, first of all, I should say nice headphones. We forgot to say this last week. Yes. For those who right don't now, know, Rob's Rob's been a big shout out to the Terry's. Yeah, so uh, Rob has been using headbuds. These are these are sweet. They're swanky. super comfortable. They're super swanky. They sound great. I've 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 been listening to music with them as well. They've got great, you know, the buds they don't give you the full nice dynamic. We look like idiots with uh you know with huge mind. with huge things on our heads, you know. But I don't mind looking uh, like an idiot. But I, thank you to a big Baruch Hashem. What a what a blessing from the Terry's. Thank you so much. Very nice, very nice. Okay. So uh last week, you know, we got a we I don't know we can't live up to to uh, some of our greatest shows. And I think that last week probably was was kicking on all cylinders. We had a great time, we had a fun time. It was easy to talk about. We were very prepared. I prepared for that show for uh, longer than I normally prepare for shows because I knew that it was it was a uh, gonna be a, a, a hot button issue. We talked about uh, the pagan roots or lack thereof. Of, of evidence for the pagan roots of Christmas, and uh, and it was certainly a, a a good show. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people watched that show. It was shared by some some groups. Michael, the person who uh, debated Zach Bauer, and we talked about that a lot last week. Uh, Michael actually shared our program on his website, which was uh, which was nice. We had some other uh, Hebrew Roots Ministries share that that uh, that show as well. And so thank you to everybody who, uh, for sharing the show. It was it was good. We got a lot of feedback for it. Uh, there is one thing I want to I want to discuss. Oh, by the way, I, I also got a, a email from Michael, the person who did uh, debate Zach. Uh, very very uh, nice brother in the Lord and uh, uh, easy to talk to and uh, uh, cordial and, and whatnot. Uh, during the debate, he said something. He said, uh, "Well, let's just listen to what Michael said. We got a kick out of this." Where's my cursor here? Hello. Hang on. There we go. Okay. Here we go. Uh, this is what Michael said 
which we got a kick out of. You wanted me to ISO this. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I thought that was like I thought he just like spontaneously. So like, so, so so Benjamin writes this. Uh, we got email. We got a lot. Actually, should we open the the mailbag before all, any of this? I think well, we should because we got. We hang on. We got a lot of mail coming out. Let's open the Robin Caleb show mailbag for everyone. Here we go. Mail time. Mail time. Okay, so what uh, Benjamin, somebody wrote in and said, uh, that is a great ISO clip, but that was not Michael's uh, Michael's doing. That came from a clip on uh, Game of Thrones, which I've never seen before. Uh, but he's, I he's hear it's probably kind of... Uh, very risque. I, that's yeah, why yeah. I've, I've stayed we're away. Not, we're not promoting that. I certainly am not promoting that show. Uh, but uh, he sent me the clip. And the video clip of this, uh, I've tried to grab the essence of it for you. If you can't hear exactly what this guy says, I'll I'll repeat it for you. Here here you go. Here's the clip that that we believe Michael got this from. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Okay, so uh, if you didn't hear it, he says... Uh, dragons do not do well in captivity. And she says, how do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Now, I do like Michael's clip. We'll play it one more time for you. Oh, wait, hang on. What, what's going on here? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Okay, so, but the problem is that it's a little hard to hear him. So on our soundboard, I've put the, I've put the original and I've cut it down. So now it sounds like this. That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. <laughs> That's but we're our, doing it in memory of Michael. Yes, in right? memory of Michael, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, because, man, what a great line he pulls out. And then also, uh, I clipped yeah, this. Was, it was that, it was, was well-timed, man. It was so perfect. Yeah, and I'd never heard it, so it was great, yeah. Okay, so, and then, um, and then uh, this, uh, you asked me to ISO this. I don't know if this is going to stick around. This is another sound clip we just, that we're adding to the board for today. We'll, we'll see if it sticks around. Uh, this, when we were reviewing Berkson's work, we'll get to that in a few seconds. Listen to this. But I wasn't saved, saved. So that, that's all I got because uh, I would have had to edit quite a bit together. To, so it's not that it wasn't, it's not that great. Yeah, okay. But I certainly do like this one. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. All Today right. I'm drinking water in a Yeshua Shirts. Yes, YeshuaShirts.com. Go check oh, out. Oh, hey. The- on that note, yes, I was skyping with uh, one of the Yeshua shirts captains yes. the other day. He had a hoodie, a zip up, full zip up hoodie. Nice Yeshua, and I'm like, that's a new product. Yeah, what's up? I'm like, if you own a show if some you love, own, if you own a company and you want us to talk about your products online, send us send us so we can see it first. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's keep going here. Um, since the mailbag is already open, let's let's go to some of our mail. Now we did get a lot of uh, we got a lot of encouraging emails from our last show. Should we do do we do haters first or do we do yeah yeah positive? we'll do well I didn't grab any of the positive. Here's the thing is that all of a sudden I think a lot of people woke up and realized that we had other shows besides just that and started listening to some of them. All of these come from show 152, which was our discussion of Steve Berkson. Um, and uh, he did a whole series on. I listened to nine hours 
of Berkson to be able to put that show on. It was horrific. Um, these people got very upset that we would uh, talk against Steve. One lady, I thought it was really interesting. Her whole her her whole argument against us was that Steve is is always there for his people. Like he's he's always there. Well, he's, there was very yeah, it was very emotional. It was very. I think that here's the interesting thing. I think they were all older women. I, this is just I'm. There might have been some. It. Hey, let's not say that they were all, they were all young ladies. Okay, but they're what the tone <laughs> I don't want to get in emails, trouble. Yeah, they were. They the were not happy. The tone of the emails was very emotional, uh, emotionally centered, um, and so I think that's it, it's a profile. I don't think it was the same person pretending to be different people. Oh I think no, these no, are no, legitimately yeah. different people. And I think that I, I was looking on Facebook and stuff because they were p- posting Facebook, and they're friend. They're like. Friends, so they probably they all go to Bergson's place. Go to the same. Here's place. the thing: it's okay. Wait, hang on, just a sec. The one lady. But the it's one, a profile. It's a profile of the uh, of one kind of person that we're probably going to always offend. Maybe. I don't know. I think we offend. Let's let's, let's read some. Of well, those. hang on. Okay, I want to oh. get. Wait, I want, first, I want to talk. This one lady said, "Oh well, you know, you don't know Rabbi Steve." You don't know Rabbi Steve. He's he uh he always hangs out after the after the service. He eats with everyone, you know. Where it's easy to talk to him. We can call him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If something happens, he'll, you know, he'll come to where we're at and be with us and all these kind of things. That's great. I think that that's great. And I, you know, for for a leader uh, to uh to be able to make himself available, I think is is key. However, and this is not putting Steve down in this way. All I'm saying is is that you know what? Most leaders in most communities today avail themselves to the congregants. That's what they do. Not all. I know. Not all. I'm not making it across the board. But look, even, even people who are, are, uh, are horrible leaders have done that in the past, right? And, and I'm not comparing uh, Mr. Berkson to, to any of these people. But look at people like David Koresh. David Koresh lived with his followers, Right. I mean, just because a person makes themselves available to their congregants, this is not, you know, what we're looking at. And I'm not putting Steve down as a person. I'm sure I I said specifically on that show, I'm, he seems like an extremely nice person, somebody I'd really like to get to know. His theology's off, though. All right, let's let's read some of these. You want to do it? You want to read some of these? Or you want me to? You go for it. Number one from Lisa. You have been unbelievably disrespectful with your comments against Rabbi Steve Bergson and should be ashamed. It would be wise to rectify your words while you have time. Okay, here's how I would like to rectify uh, my words. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, I think we, we spoke the truth on that one. I'm sorry, anybody who says that we don't have assurance that we're saved, no one knows that they're saved until the day of, of judgment. And the Ruach HaKodesh didn't exist in the ancient Israel. And what was the other one? Oh, that Jesus is the Antichrist. Yeah, Jesus said I mean, the there church. Was just, it, there was like... <coughs> I mean, yeah. It, it, I, on, on the surface, Mr. Berkson looks very, uh, very charismatic and great because he is very charismatic. But the, the problem is, is that his theology... <laughs> is so far out there. If you disagree with this, give us a call, 253-465-3205. Let's go, go again from Carrie. You two are... Here, just a second. With Lisa, here's a person, I don't think they that Lisa had ever reached out to us before. That's fine. So, it, no, but, okay, what I mean, it's like, how does she even hear of us, and did she watch the... 
So she did she watch the whole Robin Caleb show because she stayed pretty engaged. There was a lot of back and forth. I'm like, why? Why does this person even care? You know, why not? Why did she just not move on to some other website? Why did she choose to engage? That's, you know, I'll tell you why. I think that I think that all three of these comments that we've pulled, I think all three of these comments come from uh, come from a place where uh, 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 I come from people who who. Uh, go to Berkson's congregation. That's why. I think that's why they're so invested. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm. I'm. I don't know that at all. I mean, I'm just. Okay. Guessing. So the next one is Carrie. Carrie says, Carrie. "You two are terrible. You speak ill of brethren." Oh, oh, hang on, just a sec. Did Yeshua and Paul speak ill of brethren? When people are leading other people astray, come on. They, are you supposed they to? Called, yeah. They. They. They did not uh, favor people's um, personal feelings or how it was going to affect their market share. Yeah, you know when 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 Paul went into was it Ephesus, you know they they uh, started preaching that the idols were not really idols, and the guys all these people got upset because now people weren't buying the idols anymore, and so the businessmen were upset, and it's like you know it's that kind of thing. You come in and and there's. It shakes things up. Here's the thing about Berkson, too. I don't know if Berkson is that, you know, I'm not suggesting that Berkson, Berkson is maliciously like, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to lead all these people to hell with a bad idea of salvation. No, that's not what Berkson's doing. I think, no, I don't. I, don't I think, think Berkson is genuine. I think that he, what he is what he is preaching, he genuinely believes. It just comes from a complete uh, uh, he's not pl- a theologian. Yeah, so it comes, he, shouldn't it comes, be, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be getting into the weeds. If he wants to teach... You know, it sounds like he wants to be come across as like a Jewish rabbi. And and if that's what his gig is and that's his the three notes he knows how to play on his horn, then go for it. But don't don't start trying to play cello if you're a trumpet player. <laughs> Good analogy. She goes on, you take thirty second sound clips and twist them. Actually, I think our longest sound clip was three minutes, so and you know exactly what you're doing. We're known by our fruit, and yours is rotten. You should be ashamed of yourselves. So how much did they listen of our show to make that judgment? We know <laughs> That's a harsher judgment. Hopefully the whole thing. <laughs> at, least, at least with Berkson, we played a clip and then, and then interacted. Sometimes we went back and played the same clip again. Uh, what I saw with these comments, no one ever quotes us. They just create these generalizations yeah, exactly. and, and stamp they're, it on us. They're, they're creating Here's another thing. I, I was like, I, I looked at, there was a guy named Carlos, and they were talking with Carrie. And I looked on Carrie. Uh, she believes there, if it's a guy or a girl, I don't know. Carrie believes the earth is flat. Yeah. The, the, your, your response to this comment was priceless. Because, because this other guy got on and was like, yeah, these... Carlos got on and was like, yeah, these guys, they're, they're horrible people. They always bash people, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then Rob was like, it looks like both of you guys are flat earthers. Um, we will certainly disrupt your worldview if you keep listening to us. You shouldn't listen to us. Don't listen anymore. <laughs> and then they're like, just what I thought. Distraction. Yeah. I- <laughs> Uh, okay, and then last one, and then we'll move on. From G- is it Jeannie or Ginny? I think Gin- it's Ginny. Ginny, probably short of like Virginia, so Ginny. Ginny, you spent nine hours. Now this is after I responded saying that I. She said you you don't even you haven't even listened to Berkson. I wrote back and said I spent nine hours listening to Berkson. She says you spent nine hours listening to Berkson and yet expounded on sound bites that did not reflect his teaching. 
how does that not reflect his teaching? <laughs> yeah, we've got how many minutes of sound bites, but they're they're going to say that doesn't. He didn't really say that, or I, I don't know. It's his voice. He's the one saying it. When you say that you're that he doesn't know if he's saved, and no one knows if they're yeah. saved, and you're not saved until the day of judgment. And you're not saved, saved. Yeah, it's yeah. like he, he's clear on what we're not misrepresenting. In we're my humble, in my humble opinion, you should not allow yourselves to be used to tear down a true ministry. We should be building each other up, speaking whole truth, not creating division as the denominations have. Okay. Oh, so in other words, you should just let him teach what he's teaching. Exactly. Just let this guy teach. You know, you're Caleb, you're getting in his way of teaching. He's serving so many people. And I can't believe you're going to just, you know what? You have bad fruit, Caleb. I know, right? Okay. We've been, this has actually taken us way longer than I thought. That's okay. Um, <laughs> let's move on because I, I want to get to, uh, we got some really good questions here. And uh, uh, so we still haven't made it to John 6. That might have to be put on the burner until next week. Okay. Um, recent, this comes from, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to pull the person's name. I apologize, whoever sent this. I could find it quickly, I'm sure, but I'm not going to. Recent, we, uh, recently, we've heard that there may be a distinction between salvation and eternal life. How would you define each or are they interchangeable? Salvation is a blanket term that includes justification, sanctification, uh, being being glorified with uh, through Yeshua, making intercession continually for us, and also includes eternal life uh, after the judgment. Salvation is an all-encompassing of all of these workings to bring us to one thing, that is salvation. Salvation is enacted through the Messiah Yeshua. Exactly. And here, here's a critical point that I think that our interaction with what Berkson was teaching is, is where we're coming from completely different places. We are not, apart from Messiah, trying to work hard to hopefully one day be in Messiah. We have assurance. If, if, if your viewpoint yeah. of, of your belief in Yeshua... Your belief... Did you, say, wait, did you just say, wait, did you just say, your belief? Well, I say measure, so can I say belief? <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. If, if, the, if your map, if your, you know, map of understanding your relationship with God is that you're apart from God, like you're separate, and you're trying to work and, uh, like, overcome obstacles and stuff in, in the hope that one day you will be actually in it with God, in Messiah— then, then that is not actually a biblical model. That's the, the, the gospel is that he has put his resurrection life in the heart of the elect. And that is his, there's no difference between Yeshua's resurrection life when he's interacting in the, during the counting of the Omer, right, after the resurrection, there's no difference between Yeshua's resurrection life there to the resurrection life in the Middle Ages to the resurrection life today. Preach. Yeshua, he ever lives. To make intercession. Right? And so that's the life. So when, when you believe in him, you're sealed with the Ruach HaKodah. That is, that is him putting his word, implanting eternal life into you. And that is, that is uh, you now participate that is your new create. That is who you are now. Now you still have. We still have these. It's almost like I don't. It's not like we're zombies, but but 
you the old person, the old man is reckoned as having died. That's why the that's why the curse of the Torah, the, the Torah is true and it's the giant measuring stick. But the sin that we were condemned for by the truth and holiness of God's Torah, and that we are all sinners and have fallen short of, that is reckoned as, as that person's dead. And you are our life now, and that which is fruitful in this world is comes from Yeshua in us. It's not somewhere we're we're trying to be. Yeah, Torah is written be. on the heart. Yeah, keep going. That's I'm sorry. We, that's who we are. Yeah, and so so the idea that we don't know if we're really saved or that Yeshua's waiting there, kind of. He's here's the picture I see with when I listen to Berkson. Is it like Yeshua's waiting at this imaginary like uh, finish line of this race, and he's watching, and it's like he's just going to wait and see, you know, who's going to make it across. He's watching the time clock, and at a certain point, people who make it through the line, then he's going to go click, and he's going to stop the time, and he's like, okay, you guys made it, but you guys ever? No, that's not the picture. The picture is that, and that's why we call the, uh, theologians call it the inaugurated eschatology, or the already but not yet. It's a it's a, a concept that is really important for us to grasp, is that we've been given new life in Yeshua. No one can take it away from you. It's a new creation. Okay, I got and, an analogy. I got an analogy. Go ahead. Okay. I've just thought about this one, so this analogy might not work, but we'll see if it does. Everyone, think of, think of everyone, everyone in the world standing at, at a bus platform, and everybody's blind. Nobody can see. Okay? And there's a bus that pulls up. And Yeshua gets off the bus, and he grabs some people's hands, and he opens their eyes, and he, lead, he leads them onto the bus. And they're still blind. He uh, leads them onto the bus. Now they're on the bus. Salvation is Yeshua doing work to get you on the bus. Salvation is the bus. Okay? So it's a continual work. Those who are not saved, they think they're getting on the bus. They step off the platform into the street. They think they're on the bus, but they're not. And they're going to get hit by traffic. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Exactly. And my so, sheep hear my voice. And so the point is, is, that, is that salvation is, that, is the bus. It's a continual thing. It, 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 it's, it's continual in the fact that we're continually being sanctified, we're continually being glorified, and uh, Yeshua is continually making intercession the, for yeah, us. Only, but we're on exactly. the bus. We're on the, the bus. The only difference, the only, the, the, it's not as some would have you say, like it sounded like the Berkson style of teaching, that you don't know for sure if you're saved till Judgment Day, and then Yeshua, you know, you're waiting, you're at that point, here I'm standing before Yeshua, and he's going to either say, well done, or he's going to say you're out of here. And I, it's like I'm, I don't know what's he going to say. Yeah, that's wrong. That's wrongheaded. Don't teach people that. And if someone's taught you that, that's not it. It's also wrongheaded to say that people in the church are not saved. Anyone in the church is not saved. Okay, I think I, we. One more point. The go, only difference. Go. The only difference as new creations in Messiah. The only difference between who you are right now in this world and in Olam Haba, the coming world, is that. He's going to wipe away every tear. All those, all those tribulations and obstacles and pains and heartaches and sufferings that happen in this world to believers, are going, those are going to cease. But the eternal life, that new, that new creation life, that's not going to change. It's not all of a sudden you're going to have a new creation life that you don't have right now. No. The only thing that's going to change is 
that are the environment that we're uh, that we're enduring for the present. That's that's what's going to change. Okay, let's 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 move on. Uh, This comes from Jesse Raymond. He wants to ask us a question about our last show on Christmas. I can't believe we already discussed this. Okay, he says, hi, Caleb. In listening to your latest video, 153, you spent a great deal of time stating that you love scholarship and wish others would use more scholarship. That's true. I I agree with that. I agree with you. However, in this program, you diagnosed the soundtrack of others, such as 119 Ministries, claiming they do not cite their sources, primary or secondary. No, that's not true. They do cite secondary sources, only secondary sources. That's the problem. They need to cite primary sources, not secondary sources. Anyway, he says, you, however, stated that you believe that Christmas was pagan and that the Christmas tree was pagan. This is true. Now, listen to how you worded this, because this is exactly what I said. You, however, stated that you believe that Christmas was pagan and the Christmas tree was pagan. That's true. I do believe that. You didn't cite your sources, either primary or secondary. That's true. I didn't. I find it interesting that you deride others for not doing so, but you don't either. As you know, scholars are always spoken of in gen- in a general sense. Usually, one or two recognized scholars is a subjective choice. You may consider one a reputable source and consider another non-reputable. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because some will cite original sources and some are giving opinions. That's uh, this is what scholarship is is looking at at the work other people have done seeing if it holds up to scrutiny and if it doesn't then you speak against that scholarship and if it does then you use that as a source and show why you use that as a source because all he goes on because all scholars uh because scholars all disagree on many points that is true there is a, but there is a way to do scholarship that's the point I find this truism to be consistent among those who attended any Bible college or seminary. They almost all pick and choose which scholars they like or think are heretics. Once again, this shows a lack of understanding of how scholarship is is done. This this person, Jesse, is not understanding the concept of uh, why scholars would pick, as I'm using quote marks now, pick and choose between other scholars. You test their work, and if their work stands up, then you use them as a secondary source, cite their original sources, and boom, you have an argument. The reason that I did not cite any first or secondary sources, well, that's not even true, but the the reason that I didn't uh, cite primary sources when it came to the Christmas trees is because there are none. Do I believe that it's pagan? Yes, I believe that it is, atta- it is attached to paganism. Can I prove that? No, and that's why I would never go on on a YouTube debate against somebody who is trying to say that, it, that it's not pagan because I don't have the sources to prove that it's not. It's a belief of mine. It's not provable. When it comes to Christmas being a pagan, coming from pagan origins, I believe it is. My sources are weak. I will admit that. And I think I did admit that. However, if you go back to that show 153 and listen to the time, uh, to the section where I quote the person on Constantine and Constantine's belief of 
of uh, 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 his followers' belief of uh, of him being the Eternal Son, Sol Invictus being placed around that time. Granted, it was probably placed there around the time of, or maybe even after the time that Christmas was placed there. Um, the fact that you have Saturnalia there, all these things lead me to think that there was more going on than just the Christians saying in the fourth century, hey, I have an idea, let's start celebrating this date of December 25th. And that's why I believe that Christmas is pagan. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get get on stage with somebody and try to debate it. And that's the point. So, but once again, I think this shows people are people do not understand the process of of trying to do work in scholarship. And that is being honest with the scholars that you're that you're looking at. If somebody gives an opinion, if my father gives an opinion in one of his works, and somebody comes and says, well, this is true, and here's my source. It's Tim Hag. Well, any good scholar is going to go and say, okay, let's look at Tim Hag's work. They'll look at it, and they'll say, did he cite any primary sources? If the answer is no, they're going to say, well, he's just given an opinion. So do we believe uh, Tim Hag's uh, thoughts on this? No, of course. And, th and then they'll throw that out as not a valid, uh, not a valid source. This is how scholarship is done. And this is how it should be done. You have to have some form of proof texts to be able to prove your points. And it, it just shows, once again, even after we do this whole show on primary and secondary sources, when it comes to the Christmas debate, uh, people still have not grasped the concept of what we're trying to talk about. It's frustrating. Anything to say about that before we move on to a main topic? Nope. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, well, thank you everyone for sending in those, uh, those wonderful, uh, those wonderful, uh, hate mails. <laughs> They're not hate mails. I know we don't think that we don't think that people are uh, sending in hate mail when they disagree. Uh, and we, we encourage it. Send us stuff that, that you disagree on. Um, we would love to be able to try to answer it if possible on the air. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we can play a number of different things. No education. Let's talk about education. Oh, yeah, we just talked about people not getting primary sources. Here we go. You're a legend in your own mind. We don't need no education. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Okay, let's move on to our main topic. This came in uh, also once again from the mailbag this week. We got this. I would appreciate uh, it greatly if you guys hosted an in-depth RC show where you address the didache in a larger in larger detail. We'll talk about for those who don't know what he's this person is talking about, it's okay, we're going to explain it. FFOZ, that's First Fruits of Zion, and the supporters are making moves to enact a believers renaissance for this ancient writing, dating it to apostolic times, asserting that it has a significant contribution to make to our comprehension of early Jewish Christianity, and all but saying that it is right on the level of the New Testament canon. However, you at Torah Resource are opposed to that proposal. I kind of find myself between the two camps, and at least see immeasurably greater value in the text than, say, some reg like the Gospel of Judas. Okay, uh, I, to be honest, I, I would say that I find more... Uh, more perhaps more uh value i guess i don't know i i can see why you would find more uh 
more benefit from the Didache than something like the Gospel of Judas. Um, however, I think that the, that uh, both have their their issues. Um, so let's talk about this real quick. The, uh, well, actually, first, so he brought up First Fruits of Zion and, and that they are making moves to to do a new, fresh translation of the Didache. Uh, I, I'm not positive. Did they use the word, did they use the word 12? Uh, uh, did, did they use the word fresh? Oh, yeah. Here, let's play the, that's the clip. Their, that's their word. Well, this is what Toby Janicki said. This is about a year ago in one of his lectures. And I'm not positive. By the way, I, I actually really like Toby. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Uh, and uh, he's, he's always been very cordial and, and kind to me. And uh, I've, ha- I've eaten meals with him before. He's, you know, I, and not only that, but we have a lot of the same interests as well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put Toby down as a person. In fact, uh, I hope that I someday will be able to, to break bread with him again. Um, and we, we're friends on Facebook and, and whatnot. And uh, so anyway, the, the point is, is that uh, this is not to put Toby down. Uh, however, it does seem uh, now I don't know this at all whatsoever, but uh, I've, I've read some things that Toby, Toby's done on the Didache. I haven't seen anything else from uh, other writers at FFOZ. That could be because I'm not looking in the right place in terms of on the Didache. And so I don't know, maybe Toby's uh, heading this up or uh, I, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, but this is what Toby had to say. This is about a year ago at one of their conferences. And this is what he had to say about the Didache. Real quick, for those of you that are new to the Didache, what is the Didache? Didache is a word that means teaching. It is a work that some scholars believe is, uh, is as early as 50 CE. Okay, I'm going to stop it real quick. That's actually true. Toby's being honest here. Uh, it, there, it is a work that some scholars, n- not the majority, but some scholars have placed somewhere in between 50 and 70 CE. We'll, we will but, talk about that shortly. Yeah, we need to really finish the clip. Okay. Because that's... That, it represents this is, this, again, a Go ahead. It's disingenuous. I don't think there's anybody that says the, the, the Didache, as we have it, in our in its oldest manuscript, goes to the fit, year fifty. Yeah, uh, you're wrong. I think they're I think they're going to say certain parts of it. Yeah, that might be true. Certain, like the two ways, the doctrine of the two ways. But when you have uh, bishops replacing priests and stuff like that, and you're putting that 50, 20 years before the temple's destroyed, I, I we'll talk and, about and okay, 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 okay. Wait, 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 wait. We'll so talk. His, wait. His point is misleads the audience. You, 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 the you audience. just like did the whole rest of the show in thirty seconds. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Go, go, go. Okay. The CE. It represents a time when believers were still operating within Judaism. So here's a work that we have. Uh, it didn't make it into the New Testament for various reasons. There were times when. Uh, many of the believers actually thought it was uh, considered it scripture. Many uh, church fathers and early church writers considered it scripture, but it never made it into the canon. <laughs> but it was written at a very early period. And the longer title of the Didache is the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles through the 12 apostles. We have 50. Oh, we, we, we're if all, I was we're, there, I just wish I would have, you know. We, we, we're only 50 kind of seconds where, in. Where I would stand up. We're only fifty. We're only misleading. Okay, hang on, just a sec. We are fifty seconds into a two-minute and eighteen-second clip. Can you tell my my blood's? I'm just like. Just wait. We, this kind of thing. I want to give. Just I know. Hang I'm on. Just, I, 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 I'm sick. Hey, 
I want to give him his full. And I know that, here's the thing. I'm reacting to something that happened, what, two years ago. <laughs> and we've already talked about <laughs> this right. clip. We've already talked about this clip on this show. I'm going to roll this okay. back a few seconds. Just shh, shh, shh. This don't, is where I, we're talking about pruning. Don't, don't step on it. Don't step on the, the clip. The Lord's still working with me. On, on this, don't step on the thing. clip. Here we go. Okay, is the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles through the 12 apostles. What is it? It's halakha for new Gentile believers. This is kind of a, you know, at first was designed, we've been working on a, on a commentary for this and a new translation uh, for over two years now. I'll give you an update on that in just a few minutes. But we're, we've been working on this. And to me, it's incredibly exciting because it helps clear up so many issues. I don't know why. And the thing about the Didache is that all of its teachings are drawn from Scripture. It kind of reworks <laughs> the words of Yeshua and the apostles and the rest of Scripture and presents halakha and instruction for Gentiles. The Didache is not a manual of theology. It's a manual of practice. How much more do we need to listen to this? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't want to give it any more airtime. These people are well, hang on, just basically a sec. Baiting, baiting Yeshua's flock. Hey, over here, there's good food over here. Here's good food over here. And they have no idea what wolves and bears are right around the corner. And, and they're going to be overwhelmed, and they're not going to be able to defend the flock. They, no one there has – I don't know of anybody there that really is competent with – I don't. I don't know. With to be able to do such a translation and a commentary, these guys are marketing. They're marketing geniuses, but do not follow this. Do not follow this. Do not believe what this guy. Who is this guy? Is this Toby? Uh, guy named Toby. Toby, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're mistaken. You don't know what you're talking about, and you need to stop trying to sell. Stop trying to sell FFOZ to your crowds by misleading them. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's just ridiculous. It's not halakha. You good? It's not, halakha. It's, it's not good food. This is not good food for the flock of Yeshua. Why do you at FFOZ go outside the scriptures? You try to get people to go to rabbinics. Now you're go, but you don't have competency there, so you go to the... Now you're going to pull out this... Didache, you don't have competency there. Why are you wandering down these aimless roads or down these dead-end streets aimlessly? Come back to the scriptures. Oh, it's so upsetting. And here it is again. Okay, I'm getting anxious. I'll cool down. Ladies and gentlemen. Makes me angry. Let it, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another installment of The Hoff Goes Off. Okay, so let's uh, let's so basically the one the one part of that that I want this is why I like the Rob Kelly show because I can laugh at myself. Okay, I'm okay to laugh at myself. Here's the thing: I'm just is, telling you this is don't don't listen to that. Don't okay, let, we got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. Wait, hang on now. No, 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 wait. Now there's one thing I want you to hear. Now there's been a lot of misinformation in this clip that we. I mean, we could analyze this clip again if we really wanted to, but I don't think we need to. Um, the one thing I wanted you to hear is that he says, I think it's coming up. Hang on. It's the messianic 
Noahide, Ger Toshav. Let's see now. We're right here. We're okay, gonna, here's, here's, wait, 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 I'm going to mute. Text. I'm going to mute. Greek text. I'm going to bring all the Hebrew I, I'm words. Go, I'm, I'm going to mute your mic. Be quiet. It's tractate Gerim for the Messianic Gentile. I think Wait. for Messianic Gentiles, and I really do believe for Messianic Jews as well. Okay, this is, this is the quote I really wanted to get to right here. Listen now. Messianic Gentiles, and I really do believe for Messianic Jews as well, a fresh translation and a fresh look at the Didache is one of the most important things that we need to accomplish in the coming years. <laughs> okay. other, what, translate, please send us money so that we can spend more of it and not accomplish anything <clears throat> that will really be contributive other than our, this agenda to try to lead people down these, these roads of new discovery of this, this, and the whole time you're depriving it of its historical context. Okay, actually, let's... Same let's, thing, they do the same thing with the Babylonian Talmud, same thing with the Mishnah or the Zohar, is that they, it's misleading to people. Okay, so so let's actually talk about what, what this document is. First of all, um, there is attestation of this document in some earlier, I'm putting quote marks around earlier works. I'm going to read this. Uh, this is kind of pieced together from... <clears throat> Hang on, just a sec. Let me grab all my books on the Didache here. Um, this one is from this right here. It's called the Didache. It's Jewish Sources and Its Place in Early Judaism and Christianity by Hub. Hub I don't know. H-U-U-B. Hub. Hub. Van de Sant and David Fluser. Van de Sant, yeah. Hon de Sant. I just butchered that guy's name, and I apologize to the scholar. Okay, um, this is uh, now I piece this together once again. This is not an exact quote. He says uh, the oldest and only manuscript we have of the Didache was discovered by Archbishop Philotheus Brinois 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 in the library. Of, sorry, I'm not good with names. I apologize. In the library of the Greek Convent of the Holy Sepulchre in in in. Istanbul in 1873. It is housed in Jerusalem and has been titled Codex Hierosolimitanus 54, also aka uh, Codex H. The scribe who made the copy identifies himself as Leon, scribe and sinner, and dates the co completion of his work as 11th June. 1056. So the manuscript. Yes, we have one manuscript. One manuscript in Greek. So it's a text, we should tell people, it's a text written in Greek. Yes. Right? And there's a couple Latin translations, I think, that are, but written in Greek. And our oldest manuscript is just a thousand years old. Yes. Not even a thousand, not even a thousand years old. Correct. But FFOZ is out there telling people, oh, we need a fresh new translation because this is, this, is, this is like a messianic halakha for the Ger Toshav from the, from, the, from the year 50. Well, here's the thing is that, okay, um, for instance. Right? It, it, right? That's, that, that's what – and that, that this is a 
something we need to accomplish that's of high importance over the next years. Well, Niederwimmer, Niederweimer, Wimmer, Niederwimmer, he put out his own uh, translation. It is a very decent translation. It's cited by a lot of uh, scholars. I'm not sure why we would need a different one. Um, I'm pretty sure Draper has put out his own translation. There have been many, many, many very good, very good Didache scholars who have put out translations. And yeah, and there's sure. plenty of good work. If here's here, I want to clarify, lest I be uh, misunderstood. If if you're sincerely, 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 ha, this is my new word, sincerely. If you're sincerely interested in studying the Didache, by all means, we we Caleb's got a whole bunch of good books. There's a lot of good scholars. And you can enter into the conversation, see what scholars are talking about, and you get a sense of, wow, okay, so they don't all agree on this or that or this. And it's, and so what you hear from FFOZ is like this shiny, uh, polished thing that covers up all this stuff. It, cover, it covers up – it's like this little tip of iceberg that they don't show you actually – all the problems and things below it. Okay. Well, and that's, that's what I just, it's just, we need, we're, we live in a time and a place where that, that is irresponsible. But it's you, total irresponsible for, for Yeshua to, to put yourself as a leader, a leading voice. Okay. But hang on. You can't just uh, say that. Yeshua's Rob, flock Rob, hang on just a sec. You can't just keep saying that. I mean, it's nice for you to be able to say, oh, they're doing all this stuff, but show, okay. show people. Okay, Don't just do it. keep Let's saying it. it. Okay, okay so, so one of the points is is that that uh, Janicki continues to try to make is that this was possibly or that this was uh, accepted as canon by a lot of the uh, uh, early church fathers and whatnot. This is totally false. I don't know where he's getting this kind of information. Early attestations of the Didache comes from lists of books that were canonical and non-canonical. Eusebius, who lived 260 to 339, lists the teaching of the apostles, which... We believe it's not a it's not a one hundred percent slam dunk, but we believe that the teachings of the apostles is he's referring to the Didache. He re, he lists it as spurious. Okay, he says it's not it's not one of the it's not a canonical book. There are later references to the, the, the Didache in later canonical lists. Athanasius lists the Didache, also saying it is not canonical, as does Rufinus. Didymus, the blind, did seem to accept the Didache as canonical, and maybe this is where Janicki's getting that, but his list goes against the norm in many ways. He rejected 2nd and 3rd John, but accepted the Shepherd of Hermas, the Epistle of Barnabas, and 1st Clement to, the equal, to be equally authoritative. So I don't know where Janicki's getting the idea that I don't, I mean, I would like to hear sources on that. Let's look at the date real quick. What I'm going to do is I'm going to we'll look at the date real quick. Then I'm going to throw this over to you. You can give us some references in the Didache on why you would say that this is a either late or a uh, work that shouldn't hold as much weight. Now, listen to the the dating on this, and this is one reason that I would say that the, that the Didache is a document that needs to. That it, you can't just brush the Didache aside in terms of scholarship. It is something that right. That, I wanted to say if you're interested in studying it, there's good resources to do so. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, so and we'll, we'll start off. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's, there's absolute reason why, uh, p- people, especially in the scholarly world have to look at the Didache. I'm having to deal with the Didache for my thesis on, because it seems as though the last, or it seems as though the communion is, is, uh, is spoken about 
this is a this is probably one of the most widely debated things within Didok studies on whether or not uh, Didok nine and ten is actually talking about the Eucharist or whether or not it's talking about an agape meal or both or none of the above or so on and so forth and whether or not it's uh, kind of a later insertion is also thrown in there as well. Uh, a more precise, this is a direct quote now. This is from a different book uh, by Jonathan Draper called The Didache in Modern Research. Uh, this is on page 244 and 245. He says, a more precise date of composition re- remains contested. Until recently, the dominant viewpoint, which is still represented today, was that the Didache originated in the 2nd century CE with many researchers arguing strongly for the second half of or even later. Meanwhile, however, the researchers of a the research of a Adam and JP Audit have intro, or Audet have introduced a turnabout. If Audet's early dating around the years fifty to seventy CE has found, I think he, I I looked at this several times. I think it should be Audet's early dating around the years fifty to seventy CE has found few supporters. Nevertheless, an ever-growing number of authors put the origin of the text at the end or the turn of the first century. So there's, now, this is what I can tell the people listening. This is how I see the Didache. No matter what date you put it at, I certainly think it's after the destruction of the temple, as I think Rob is right uh, in that. We we see that uh, the prophets are considered high priests. Yeah, it, it so it, it one of the instructions. I guess we could go to um, for those who have it. Did K thirteen three? You know, one good one is the Loeb. I just I just have the Loeb Classic Library. It's got the Greek with variants and a translation. Um, it's older. This is from the sixties. I think there's a newer one now, uh, and certainly should not ignore the volume edited by Jonathan Draper or even yeah. some of Draper's articles, scholarly articles. Uh, but Draper himself is, has lens that he doesn't see. He too, like FFOZ, and I, I would think that Draper probably is influencing FFOZ in that he is importing later rabbinic model of Jewish commandments and then Noahide laws, and he's pushing that. At, that's his template. So, so if we accept along this line, if we say, okay, we're going to put this, we're going to read this, all these chapters here, and we're going to put it to the, to the year 50. And we're, uh, so let's anchor that. So this is 20 years before the temple's destroyed, little under two decades since Yeshua's ascension. Matthew hasn't Uh, been written yet. Paul hasn't even written, let me finish. Paul hasn't even written Romans yet, right? Keep going. So we're here and there's a community that is, that has this as their text. That's the premise here. And and the gospels haven't been written. So Matt, some people like, uh, uh, just a side note here. Right, right, right. Okay, so, right, so, some yeah. pe- some so, people by, like Mullavec say say that Matthew's actually quoting the Didache instead of the other way around, right, but keep going. Exactly. So imagine this. Just take, if you're an audience and you hear this, Toby's talking, and you're like, oh, wow, 50. Okay. And what's it say? Okay, so I'm going to imagine, I'm going back there, it's Jews, it's a Jewish, but it's in Greek, so it's it's Hellenistic Jews, they're in Greek, they're reading Greek. Um, but it's Greek probably, you know, they're saying, because it's for the Gentiles, right? This is helping Gentiles. And, and we have that. We have it at 50 on our little timeline. But we're going to say, you know what? Later rabbinics has difference between the Noahide laws, right? This is a category that does not exist in the first century. There is no laws of Noah idea. Remember? You have to read Tim Haig's article on that if you have it. But FFOZ doesn't seem to understand that. So they say, okay, we come back. What FFOZ is saying here 
in a nutshell. If I'm wrong, I hope they'll correct me. But this is what I'm hearing. Imagine the Didache in the as it's 50 before the temple was destroyed. It's a Jewish community trying to keep the Torah according to Halakha, and they're trying to teach Gentile believers who are coming to the faith in Yeshua, they're trying to teach them how to be good great uh, Toshav, how to be good uh, Gentile converts. Yeah. Yeah. And not even um, converts, just no because, because yeah. they're because they they don't have the full yoke of the Torah. The full yoke is for the Jews only. And so this is a this document historically helps us understand how the Jews have their full yoke of the Torah and these Gentiles come in and they're invited. You know, they can do certain things, but the Holocaust that they're separate, the Holocaust. And here are some of the things that are involved in that. Worship on Sunday. Uh, oh, and by the way, we are your new high priests. So give us and any of the prophets that might come out to you and visit you, who are part represent us, they get all your first fruits. So all your tithing and first fruits goes to these people. And it says explicitly, they are your new high priests. It, it just goes on. Um, another, here's another problem. The very first line of the Didache is problematic for me. It's, it's totally not scripture. It's not what it says. Uh, let me read it. I'll read, this is the translation from the, the first uh, lobe uh, classical library published by Harvard. Sure, sure. Um, it says there are two ways, one of life, one of death. And there is great difference between the two ways. Now, it is true that we do have the idea of the two ways uh, in Hebrew documents from Qumran, but it's it, generally this idea of there's a path of life and a path of death, but that goes all the way back to Proverbs and even Torah itself. But then it says the way of life is this. Now check this out. The first words, if we take FFOZ seriously here, imagine yourself, you're on the timeline 50 AD, right? You're, you're halfway between Yeshua's ascension and the destruction of the temple. You're part of this Jewish community with this text at its core, or you're a new Gentile believer who's going to teach who's who have this text as authoritative. And this is what it says. They're teaching you the way of life. First, thou shalt love the God who made thee. That's the first commandment. Secondly, thy neighbor as thyself. Whatsoever thou wouldst not have done to thyself, do not thou to another. Okay, that's it. Which is a total disruption of the core message that we get from Mark and Matthew, which is the Shema. That's not the Shema. Love the God who made thee. That's no. That's been. It's already been stripped of what of the precious uh, center of uh, that we get in the Gospel sure, of Matthew sure. and Mark. When yeah. they say, "What's the greatest commandment?" He says he quotes the Shema. He points them back to the Torah. If you if you were to look for love the God who made thee, that's the greatest commandment. That. Now, I'm not disagreeing with it generally, but it does not it does not serve the audience to bring the hearer back to the Torah to understand the history. Okay, it does uh, hint back to the Leviticus as thy neighbors as thyself, and then it takes one of Yeshua's things and kind of fits it in there. Whatsoever thou wouldst not have done to thyself, do not do that to another. 
Okay, so, so right off the bat, though, it's stripped of the Shema, and I, I, right there, it already. Let's let's look at. Uh, I I completely agree with you, and I think I think that uh, I think that you're, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- this is that there are problems with the Didache, uh, and and if you really <laughs> if you really read the Didache, I mean, it's one thing to gloss over and say, oh yeah, okay, we're supposed to love people and and this kind of thing, and oh, it gives us some some prayers and and whatnot. If you really look at some of the things that the Didache is saying, first of all, it directly contradicts Paul when it when it talks about uh, uh, that you're not allowed to eat food offered to idols, uh, it, which it completely contradicts Paul in First Corinthians eight through ten. Okay, um, Didache thirteen three says, take therefore all the first fruits of the pro- produce of the wine press and threshing floor, and of the cattle and sheep, and give these first fruits to the prophets, for they are your high priests. This is one reason right here that I believe, first of all, it's talking to this is uh, talking to a Gentile audience, and it's I don't think that this is a Jewish uh, a Jewish writer either. I think that um, I, I might not have a problem putting it at the uh, beginning of the second century, um, but it sure seems like we have a Gentile speaking to a Gentile audience. Yeah. yeah, it's not the Gospel of Matthew. There's nothing there's nothing in the Gospel of Matthew or any of the Gospels. He, he t- so basically that hint at this type of uh Okay, hang on just a sec. Of, hang on just a sec though. This is one of the reasons that I think that that this comes after the destruction of the temple is because he says that the prophets are your high priests. Well, if the temple is still standing, why wouldn't the high priest be the high priest? Why isn't Yeshua the high priest if he's going to make an analogy of high priests? If you still have right, that's what so FFOZ by promoting this is actually selling a supersessional text. Okay, so then we also have this. This is interesting. Uh, I mean, we could go. The Sunday worship is advocated. This now in Did Okay nine and ten. He says now concerning the Eucharist, and this is this is the the uh, the Greek word Eucharistus, uh, and it, the definite article is here, which means that he's talking about a something specific. The Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, give thanks as follows. First, concerning the cup, we give thanks to our Father for the holy vine of David, your servant, which you have made known to us through Jesus, your servant, to be the glory forever. And concerning the broken bread, we give you thanks, our Father, for the life and knowledge that you have made known to us through Jesus, your servant, to you be the glory forever, just as this broken bread was scattered upon the mountains and then was gathered together and became one. So may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. For yours is the glory and the power through Jesus Christ forever. But let no one eat or drink of your Eucharist except those who have been baptized into the name of the Lord. For the Lord has also spoken concerning this, do not give what is holy to dogs. This is Didache 9. That was the whole chapter of Didache 9. So first of all, it seems as though, now granted, I once again, this is hotly debated by Didache scholars, whether or not this is talking about the Eucharist or not. Why is that? Because, there, first of all, there's absolutely no mention of, of, the, uh, of the words of institution, that is, this is my body, which is broken for you, this is my blood, drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, there's, no, there's no reference whatsoever also to the Exodus. So if it is talking about the Eucharist, which I believe it is, actually, um, that is the, the communion ceremony that the Gentiles have now taken from Yeshua's words in the various Gospels and converted into a weekly, monthly kind of ritual that's going on that is now considered the Lord's Supper or whatever you want to say. Um, it's well enough known by the time this writer is writing it 
that first of all, he doesn't have to reference the Passover. He doesn't have to reference anything. He just expects that his audience knows what he's talking about. The other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. Actually, this is one thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Rob. In in Didache 10, okay, he says, uh, now remember, I just read Didache 9, the entire chapter. He goes on here and he says, and after you have had enough, give thanks as follows. We give thanks to thanks, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you have caused to dwell, so on and so forth. And then he goes into this huge thing uh, about uh, you gave food and drink to humans to enjoy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And and uh, this whole uh, dedicate 10 is this whole prayer after this meal. Many scholars, uh, I think Draper's one of them, has mentioned that this uh, is is probably uh, some form of, of the Birkat Hamazon or the grace after the meal. I, I don't see this at all. In fact, I totally reject that. And the reason why is because if this is an agape meal, which many scholars have argued, and or if it's a Eucharist, which many scholars have argued, or if it's both, which I think is the predominant view among scholars, that it's both an agape meal and the Eucharistic meal, then both of these meals put into one are ritualistic, 100%. I don't see this as a grace after meal. I see this as a manual for the the lit, 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 liturgy of yes, of exactly, this yeah. meal. That's, that's right. So I don't that's even right. see I don't even see this corresponding to the Jewish grace after meals. I see this as a complete service of like of an agape meal. Or a Eucharistic uh uh prayer prayer book. This is where FFOZ gets the vine of David brand. Agreed. In chapter yeah. in chapter is it chapter nine or chapter ten? It says vine of David. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. I, the other thing that we have is, no, oh, that's not right. Where is it that he talks about Sunday? Um, oh, I mean, I flipped black pack to Clement. Uh, I have a dig. I have it. On my computer too. I'm just looking at looking at a printed version. Uh, a little, 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 little. And so this is this is another question. Does the dead arcade trump? Oh, that's Paul? chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen. What does it say? <clears throat> chapter fourteen on the Lord's Day. Come together. So basically, you already have a shift so- on, on break break bread and hold the Eucharist. Yeah. So. Well, you already have a shift in in the didache from a Jewish worldview to Sunday worship as opposed to the Sabbath. I'm not saying that at this time there weren't, weren't Jewish believers who were still keeping the Sabbath. What I'm saying is that is that whoever either wrote or redacted this or copied it or whatever inserted things that were obviously from the Gentile branch of the church at this point, and that is Sunday worship. That is. Uh, Eucharist, the Eucharist and or agape uh, love meals. Um, that is, and and not only that, but this person goes directly against Paul. Um, Here's another thing. It, it proposes in chapter 16, um, verse 3, for in the last days, false prophets and corruptors shall be multiplied. The sheep shall be turned into wolves. Love shall change to hate. Well, the, the sheep turning into wolves is not a biblical uh, worldview. That's actually, it, that, re, that represents 
an, another shift that I would say is contra, contrary to the canonical view is that there are sheep and there are wolves, and you have, you have wolves in sheep's clothing, but it's still a wolf. So Yeshua, there's no picture of a sheep transmorphing uh, and becoming a wolf. That's not a biblical, uh, uh, you're not building on rock if you're going to start building with that kind of thinking. Rather, you have the wolves are wolves, sheep are sheep, but then you have the deceptive tactics of the wolves to try to infiltrate, and they dress up as a sheep. That's the biblical view. Okay, so uh, yes, there's, I, there's I, well, you could go. I mean, you could almost write our own commentary on it. But it's like, why do well, I don't want to chase every rabbit that, that this some part, other? Uh, okay, okay, but but there, are, there, but there are a couple of uh, key points here. I mean, we're talking about whether or not this. You know, uh, the the person who wrote and said FOZ wants to put this up seems to almost want to put it up on on the same part of scripture, and uh, you know. This person isn't really sure. Okay, well, here's here's some of the reasons why I would say that this is this is a very very, I mean, dangerous thing to do. Obviously, first of all, it's not scripture. I think that the Lord has shown us specifically what is scripture. Um, but did I K six one? Actually, did I K six? Let's just read the whole chapter. It's only three verses long. See that no one leads you astray from this way of the teaching, for such a person teaches you without regard for God. For if you are able to bear the whole yoke of the Lord. What is he talking about there? The commandments? You'll be perfect. But if you are not able, then do what you can. That's certainly not what the scriptures teach. Uh, yeah, that's and what, what they're doing, though. And this is where Draper makes a good observation, but, he, but I think he falls short. That's Jonathan Draper, who's a scholar, South African scholar on Didache, and other things, too. But um, what he argues is that this is the, the Torah as taught by the Christian community in, in Syrian Antioch. So in other words, you have up there in Antioch, you had a uh, Jewish Christian community that had its, was still, and this is, he associates it with the same community that he, he believes, Draper believes, produced the Gospel of Matthew. They were pro-Torah, but their Torah that they taught was their uh, they had their own brand. In other words, they had their own manual of discipline, right? Like, like we see with the Qumran community. They had their own insider group and rules. And so uh, the Didache then reflects their, def their deliberate effort to articulate community boundaries. This is who we are. If you're one of us, these are what you have to do. And then he, they call that the they, – they branded their, their style – yoke of the full yoke of the Torah, of the law. No, sorry, not yoke of the law, full yoke of the Lord. And then they had stages. And then if you, if you bore the full yoke of the Lord, you were called, they used the word teleos to say you are, you are, uh, perfect. And, and it's only those who are teleos that will be saved in the end. But if you are not able to bear the full yoke of the Lord, this is their brand again, that there's this gradient thing. But what it is, but it's not, this is where Draper, I think, and FFOZ really go off, is that they then go, oh, this is 613 for the Jews and seven for the Gentiles, yeah. or some other brand thereof, where you've got Jews have these mitzvot, Gentiles have some other yoke to bear that's that's not as heavy. And they bring that later rabbinic orientation or map of the world and try to make it 
they force it. They have to bite the corner off the puzzle and twist it to slant, to get a hammer and make it fit in the puzzle. And it's just, it distorts the whole picture. Um, here's, here's for example, it says, don't let your fasts be like the hypocrites. Don't fast like the hypocrites. So one of the, one of the, uh, the, the, uh, metonyms or, 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 uh, names for the enemies of this community are the hypocrites, the hypocritoi, right? They are, it never spells out for us who these hypocrites are. But, for example, in chapter 8, let not your fasts be with the hypocrites, for they fast on, on Mondays and Thursdays, which in Greek is deutera sabaton and or kaipempete, which means sabaton, which means on the, the two of the Sabbath and on five of the Sabbath. So this is, this is Jewish way of talking about time. No one's arguing that. Qumran did the same thing. It's like one, you know, one of the Shabbat, two of the Shabbat, three, and then Shabbat. So yeah, but they move um, it to a Sunday because it says rather. So that's Mondays and Thursdays, but do your fast on Wednesdays and preparation day. So this is one example where, where this community who, what, whoever we're imagining this community, they deliberately separated themselves from what ends up being the trajectory of Pharisaic Judaism, if we want to use that term, that becomes encoded in later rabbinic texts, is that they did fast. You know, in the in the Talmud, you know, in in, in the uh, Megillah three, in the Mishnah, it they did fast on Mondays and Thursdays. They, so there's a tradition in later rabbinic texts that says that they're, you know, you fast on these two days of the week. So here we have a Christian Jew, a Jewish Christian group saying, we are separate from you guys. We fast on different days and we call you hypocrites. That would be one of the things, one of the challenges for an FFOZ worldview, Hashkafa, <laughs> that wants to promote the Didache is that they're going to have to navigate around these types of textual difficulties. Are they going to tell the, these, the, the Ger Toshav that they imagine, these Gentile believers in Yeshua who want to come near to Israel, are they going to tell them, okay, so you have to, you know, you have to do the Eucharist on the first day of the week, here's your prayer, right, the Holy Vine of David prayer, etc., um, and here you give your tithe and offerings to us, um, and that you, you have to fast not on the same days that the, the rabbis do, if the rabbis even, I don't know how many still, I know occasionally there are, there are fast days that are Mondays and, and Thursdays. Um, but there's this kind of thing. And then there's the, say the Lord's prayer three times a day. So there's the idea of, of a, of a, tripartite, I guess you say, you know, dividing the day into three prayer watches, morning, evening, night, and that, but here's your, you do the, the, the Our Father Who Art in Heaven prayer, rather than the Amidah, you know, the Shema and the Amidah. And what, what I, I, I just think there's so many problems, and I don't think that the leaders who are pushing this, and asking for money and support, and they're casting this vision, they, they don't, see, it, to me, it reminds me of the blind leading the blind. That's what it reminds me of. They don't see the consequences of what they're 
promoting. Because there's so many things like this that are going to be challenging for them if they really are going to take this seriously. But it's not even going to get any traction. And I'll tell you why it's not getting any traction. Because there's too much scholarship to show that you can't even, we can't place it. Here's the thing, the timeline's wrong. You can't place it in the year 50. You can't. You just can't do that. We, we've got, you know, earliest manuscript is, like we talked about, less than a thousand years old. They're, in terms of textual criticism, understanding, you know, what are they going to do? Offer different layers? Are they going to give us a JEDP theory of, of the Didache? Are they going to say, okay, here's the oldest segment, here's the newer segment, and now all of a sudden they're putting themselves in a chair to take this text and divide it up for people and tell them and bind burdens on people according to how they're reading these things. And, and, the, so, and the whole time, this is all precious time in our life that we could be focused on the Word of God. No doubt about that. And, and it's, there's so many, so many problems. Okay, um, I think I think we're I think we've we've ran plenty far on this. We're uh, yeah, we're doing good on. But here, I, just to say, I don't want to just if anybody's interested out there to actually research the Didache, I would start with the edited volume by Jonathan Draper that Caleb's got a hard copy of there. Um, it's called Didache. In modern interpret, what is it? In modern interpretation, this one is the Didache. It's Jewish sources in its place in early Judaism and Christianity. This was. It's going to uh, be oh, this, is, this is David Fluzer. I'm sorry. Oh, the one the, the one you're volume. The one yeah, you're looking. Volume's a little old. You the, want this one? The this Didache one's... in modern research, edited by Jonathan A. Draper. It's done by Brill, and you can find Brill. it. Your is that 2005? Is that the one that's 2005? I believe it is. You can find this. Uh, this it's is 1996, a, actually. Oh, oh, so that's not the newer one. What's the newest? Uh, the 2005 one. Let me see if I can find it here. Matthew and the Didache? Matthew, yeah, that's it. Matthew and the Didache, Fortress Press, 2005. Correct. I got that one, too. I would, I would start there. Start there. Um, see, so, the yeah, I, 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 I'm in agreement with you. If you're going to research the Didache, that's great. Do it, but do it uh, honestly. That's the point. Uh, you know, don't don't let uh, Wikipedia and Google be your your uh, resources on Dead Okay studies because there's really not a whole lot of great information. The last thing I want to I want to share from the Dead Okay, I want to finish out chapter six because I only read two of the three verses. He says, "Now concerning food, bear what you are able, but in any case, keep strictly away from meat sacrificed to idols, for it involves the worship of dead gods." This goes clearly contrary to what Paul teaches in First uh, Corinthians 8 through 10. Right there, we, uh, you know, there's multiple reasons why this did not make it into the canon. There's multiple reasons why people said that this was spurious. We don't actually have a, a true attestation of something called the Didache in any of the lists until much later. Uh, we believe that the uh, teachings of the apostles might be what they're, they might be referring to the Didache. Okay, um, I if think you have, let me, if I were to just give a quick <coughs> synopsis of, of what the Didache emerged, in my opinion, emerged post destruction of the temple. Yes, Draper could be right; could be up somewhere up in Syria. It was written in Greek. It was written and uh, put together by a community. We don't know how big they were. That was that had legitimate concerns about preserving their their identity, preserving uh, in the world with probably a lot of, you know, we had Gnosticism, we had different strands of Judaism, 
persecution. We have all these kind of factors that we have to grant that might be very different from the world that we immediately live in as individuals today, at least in, in North America. Um, and they're, they're doing their best. They're doing the best they can to try to carve out a way to say, okay, if you're really serious about being part of our group, this is how you do it. And just like a lot of the church fathers that were doing this type of thing, they, they got it wrong. They got, they, they got it wrong. We have the, the, the advantage now to look back and we can compare all these different movements and groups and how they read scripture. And we understand how this group understood that a certain scripture, we can look and see how a different group from a similar time, but it's somewhere else geographically understood the same scripture and go, wow, they read it really differently. And we can look and appreciate, wow, okay, they were trying to survive. They're trying to, trying to make the scriptures that they receive work for them. But ultimately it was pruned off. Ultimately that work, we don't have any community in the planet today that says, yeah, we are the, we are the uh, the Didache community. We're the we, Didachites. We, the Didachites. We go all the way back. We can trace our. No, we don't have that. Why? Because they were they were pruned off. They were pruned off. We we have the community that that fights for and believes in and promotes scholarship around the core canon that has as the Tanakh, which is what we call the Old Testament in the Protestant uh, world, um, and that's not even the same as what is what the Catholics have. Why? Because it. The reformers thought, you know what, we need to really go back to what's the word. And they, they accepted the basically the Jewish scribal tradition of what was the Tanakh. It's like, okay, that's we're gonna we're gonna say that's that's it. We're gonna we realize and, and it's a good thing too. Boy, in Hanukkah we can get all into first and second Maccabees, which are completely different things. They don't belong in the canon. It's just we can see God's hand all along, trimming, trimming the vine, right? Trimming these branches down. So they'd be more and more fruitful. And we live in a day and age where we have 2,000 years of the body of Messiah growing and being pruned, growing and being pruned, and it be- becomes more and more fruitful all the time. That's his promise. If you don't believe it, then, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with the scriptures. And it's on us now. We have these tools. We have the Internet. We have all these translations. The books are open. There's no. That's why I listen to this guy talk about the Didache. Uh, it's like... It's like he, he, it's like they got off the train like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and they have not integrated anything that's been learned, uh, it, you know, and they're stuck in, in a worldview, in a hashkafa that doesn't match reality. They're, they're using a map to the world that doesn't correspond to the actual world. And, and as long as they do that, they're going to, they're going to in danger of falling into pits running into walls and this sort of thing that they don't see, but they're focused on a map of the world that does not match the actual territory. And I, I I'll just say, you know, I, I believe, you know, I would, I wouldn't be part of Ron Kilcher. I wouldn't be part of Torah resource unless I believe that now I'm not saying our map is perfect, but I'm saying, I know that the efforts that we as an institution put into modifying our maps and, 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 you know, that's why we go to ETS. That's why we go to SBL. That's why we teach the courses we teach. That's why we do language. That's why we do all these things. It's because we want to build and equip up and Baruch Hashem for these beautiful students that have come. And they're going to far surpass what we've been able to accomplish because we're equipping them with the tools to help continue the sharpening of the sword. 
and I hear people talking about this Didache, like the guy we've been hearing, it's like he's got a dull sword and he thinks it's the sharpest thing. It's like a kid with a plastic uh, a spoon. Uh, light, lightsaber. No, he's got a plastic lightsaber and he thinks he's Luke Skywalker and he's going to actually battle someone, you know, and, and it's like, no, you know, it, 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 it's a it's a dead end there. It's a dead end. Sorry, I'll stop. No, you're good. Okay, everybody. I hope that this was informative in some way, shape, or form. Um, next week, not sure what we're going to be talking about, but I'm sure we'll be talking about something fun. So come around and figure it out. Um, yeah. Anything else before we go? Don't forget to... Uh, no, I would just say, I like Philip says, careful. Someone's probably going to create a Facebook page uh, that did a fight. Did a fight. So that would be great. <laughs> Give us, a, give us a call, 253-465-3205. Tell us what you like, what you dislike. Tell us all sorts of stuff. Anyway, 253-465-3205. And uh, we hope that you will open your Bibles, read your Bibles, people. Because uh, although, I, you know, once again, I want to emphasize the didache is something that definitely need, has a place within scholarly study. However, it does not have a place in our Bibles. Um, because although uh, it might have some value in scholarship, it doesn't necessarily glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>